Welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our Catholic Mindset Programs for Women, as well as a number of other online products and resources. If you would like to find out about any of these initiatives, you can visit our website, www www.geniusproject.co. I'd love you to come and join us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily, or you can view the live recordings on our Genius Project YouTube channel, which is actually still in the process of being rebuilt after being hacked. So hopefully that will be all up and running very shortly. Ladies, we have some very exciting news. We are opening the doors to a new cohort of the Catholic Women's Masterclass. For those of you who are not familiar with this masterclass, this is a four month journey of restoration and renewal where we take a look at your life, what's working and what's not working. And then we start to build some rhythms of renewal, some very clear rhythms and patterns of behaving and skills that are going to see you go from surviving your life to thriving in your life. At the heart of this masterclass is really coming alongside women and helping them to live into the fullness of who God has created them to be. Life has a way of pushing us to the sidelines of our own life. And sometimes if we're living on the sidelines of our own life, we end up feeling really unfulfilled. We can feel overwhelmed and then we can start to live in this state of resentment. Ladies, you are not meant to merely survive your life as a woman. Sometimes we lack the skills and the tools that are required to live this abundant life and to live in the fullness of who God has actually created us to be. So ladies, I would love if you have any questions for you to send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co and I will be more than happy to answer those. We do have a waiting list for this next intake and I'm hoping to open the doors and kick off this masterclass around the 20th of July. So if you'd like to get on that waiting list, once again, please send me an email or you can sign up through our website, www.geniusproject.co. On this week's episode of The Genius Podcast, I am talking to the very wonderful, dynamic and vivacious Lisa Canning, otherwise known as The Possibility Mum. She is the author of the book, The Possibility Mum, and she gives some really powerful insight into how we can live, I guess, in our purpose and our mission. And this is going to be a bit of a focus on our podcast over the next couple of weeks. Lisa Canning is the mother of 10 children. She's currently living in Canada. Lisa built her own interior design business. She was the host of a show on HDTV and she was very successful in this arena. She now spends a lot of her time helping Catholic women who are wanting to build businesses to really develop those skills and the tools that are required to build a good business from the ground up. And on today's episode, we're really going to talk around this juggle that so many of us as women experience, this juggle between work and home and how we can actually live a life of possibility and purpose. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lisa Canning. Well, Lisa, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's so fantastic to have you with us. I think we had an interview booked in 12 full months ago and it didn't happen. And so we've been rescheduling. So it's wonderful to finally have you on the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. It's honestly a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. It's what time? It's 2.30 p.m. over in Florida. It's 5.30 a.m. here in Australia. 
And I, I've watched you on Instagram and you're doing your gym workouts at 5, 5.30 and I'm like, oh, she's a better woman than I am. So, uh, you know, I will tell you, I never, ever, ever thought I would be the kind of person really? who would work at 5.30, but it's amazing what can happen when you just try it. And now I honestly, I can't imagine my life without it. And I can't imagine doing it at any other time. Like it is a really convenient time to just get it done and start the day. Yes. Well, my husband's always been like this. He always gets up at four, prays, and then he's out on his bike. I've never understood it. (laughs) (laughs) That is yet to happen for me. (laughs) However, I do, I, in the summer, I do like getting up, going for a run, but it is getting a bit cooler here now. So that's a deterrent. So Lisa, would you share with us a little bit about your background and yourself, just for the women who haven't come across you before? I started my career kind of in an interesting way. I, I was, uh, had the fortunate experience to host an HGTV show in Canada where I'm born and raised. So I was uh, the designer and um, on-camera talent for a show. And I, I had no ambitions of being on television or doing interior design. I, it was kind of a very random situation where a mom at my high school had always seen me talk like in public. Mm-hmm. And she said, you need to be on TV. And I was like, I don't know what that means. So it was sort of this accidental uh, television career and design career. And so I started designing for uh, both private residences and then as well as on television. So I've worked with people like Property Brothers and many other personalities in the HGTV world and um, had children at the exact same pace that my interior design career growing. Really? So I now have nine children, but when I was doing interior design, it was every other year. So while I was still practicing interior design uh, regularly, I had six children and, and people just sort of like, it, it was so funny. I could, I could feel it almost happening in the middle of a design consultation. I would be telling them, okay, this is where we're going to put your, your oven and your fridge. And here's the wall we're going to remove. And I could just, I could see it. I could, I could, there would always be this little point in an interior design console where somebody would kind of like Hawkeye, like they would turn their head and they would just be like, can we please stop? And can you tell me how you are managing your life? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these professionals that I was working with were, uh, you know, the kind, it, it, most of the people I, I was working with to do sort of high-end interior design were people who had professional careers. So we're talking like doctors, lawyers, people in finance, very high pressured and Full very high time, like high time yeah but they also had small children and so they there would be this moment where they would be like I don't get it like mm. I feel like I can't keep up with anything and you are here smiling and happy with lipstick on and you have all these children at home like so I just sort of got to this place where I was like okay there's something that I'm doing that I'm very unaware that I'm doing but people keep asking me for help with And so my business sort of just naturally translated or transitioned from being very interior design based to then helping people design their lives. Mm -hmm. And so what I now, which is really fun, is over the last, I would say about like five years of my career, I've transitioned from interior designing to life coaching and more recently business coaching. So I primarily help Catholic moms who want to feel less guilty in their motherhood and less guilty in their business. I've got two programs, one called Motherhood Without Guilt and one called Wealth Without Guilt, where I help women 
do these do these things so good isn't it I you and I are very much kindred spirits because I share similar passions to you but it's so true that so many of us and I'm sure you at different times will have probably struggled a little bit with trying to work this out but I know I have I have three children under 14 and that's not nearly nine, but it's still the juggle, right? And we we are, as women, constantly juggling all the plates and we need to do that well because if we don't, we fall apart, everything else falls apart around us. So that's sort of the topic that we're going to look at today in this conversation because I think it's really helpful. As you said, you realised you, you became aware that you were actually doing something and people were like, I want what she's got. Like, I don't know the secret. And so that's something I'd love to discuss with you, that secret source, like some of the strategies and the things that you put in place for women that you advise women on for how they can actually juggle their life because it's hard. You know, I, and, and let me let me tell you all, this comes from a very personal experience. Like it's not like I had this all figured out. And, you know, I, my book, The Possibility Mom, I opened that book with a story I affectionately call my minivan meltdown. When I was about four or five years into my interior design career, and again, rapid growth in my family as well, I had just given birth to my fourth child. It was probably the, the all-time high of my business. I, I was uh, working with Property Brothers in that season. I was renovating my home. There was more money I had ever made in my life, like just all kinds of things were going so well from the outside looking in. But I was literally like newborn infant, um, mm. bringing her to construction site, absolutely ragged, exhausted. But I felt like I had to keep up this persona, this pleasing, this performance for all of these people. And, you know, spoiler alert, that doesn't work. When you are just constantly trying to prove your worth, your work or through how good of a mother you are, it doesn't work. And so I was trying to prove myself on all these fronts that I could be this great entrepreneur, that I could make money for my family, that I could pop out a child and just kind of keep going as if there was nothing that happened, that I could be this great Catholic mama. Like I just was absolutely imploding inside. And so I described that as my minivan meltdown. And, and the, the thing that kind of happened right after that was, was this real uh, honest look at my life, an honest look at why did I feel the need to prove myself in my work? Why was I never satisfied with kind of anything I was doing? And like, what did I want instead? And so that's what began for me. And I think that's what a lot of people are asking. And so I think the very first place I'd love to begin this conversation is really like an awareness. We need to have a sense of, is what I'm doing going to contribute to my legacy? That's really where I like to begin all conversations, whether I'm coaching with someone in business or in life. This, just this, uh, this honest question of what do you want at the end of your life? By the end of your time here, whether it is 40 years, 80 years or more, how do you want your life and your time to have to be remembered? And this isn't in some kind of a, like a vain sort of, uh, you know, oh, I, I just want all these accolades. Not at all. But it, it's simply just a good question Absolutely. that we should all examine. How do I want the gifts that I've been given to have been utilized? What is that unique call that, you know, is I love um, what uh, Newman uh, uh Cardinal Newman says about, I have a mission. Mm. There is an mission and it's um, something to the effect of it. It's only mine. It's mine to carry out. 
And I just think that's such an important place to begin. And so we've got to start there. We've got to start by looking at legacy. Mm. I think that's so important because we can get caught on the treadmill of life, the hustle culture, and it just takes us along. So you can go through a whole decade of your life just being swept along through this hustle culture without actually being intentional, without taking inventory of your own life, without saying, am I happy? Is this good for me? Is this good for my family? And I think it's a really important place to start. The other thing that you touched on through your experience is just understanding, I think, a sense of your personal identity and our identity as the beloved daughter, because when we're grounded in that place, then we're coming at everything we do from a different posture. Instead of trying to prove worth, we're, we're there to serve, we're there to give. And so I think that's another aspect or another dimension of that starting place is knowing identity and taking inventory. I, I was coaching a client and, and I'll never forget these words she said to me. She, uh, we were talking about the topic of worth and she has a daughter who has special needs, extreme special needs. So she is in a wheelchair. She needs assistance to eat. Mm-hmm. She needs assistance to go to the bathroom, all kinds of things. And she just said something to me that has always stayed with me. My daughter is always going to take more than she produces. Mm-hmm. So meaning there's always going to have to be people like, helping her, then she is going to produce for the world. And of course, we know this in our Catholic anthropology, we all have worth regardless of what we produce. You know, Mm -hmm. my client's daughter has immense worth. I have immense worth. You have immense worth. Everyone listening has immense inherent worth. And no amount of pleasing, producing, performing, perfecting, all the Ps, no amount of any of that can ever change it. But the challenge is, I think, even as a ardent Catholic, even as a devout, you know, even if you are raised with this understanding, it can be a very easy thing, at least in my experience, to forget when you are surrounded by whatever you want to call it, hustle culture, or even just like a sense that what you do for work and what you earn gives you something like, like that means something about you. Mm. And that's taken me, I'll be very, if I'm being very honest and transparent, Mm. that has taken me a long time to unlearn. And I still catch myself even now sometimes, um, you know, I I have a, uh, I I would say that I I have a pretty decent work ethic, meaning I I, I can, I, I work pretty hard and I like to do a good job. And I have to really watch myself to not allow that to inform my work. Like just because you produce all that stuff, it doesn't really matter because if you didn't, it wouldn't matter. Either. Mm. But I, I have to, I watch, I have to really watch myself, my, uh, my love for achievement. I, I just have to always monitor. Um, is this a healthy love of achievement and a good stewardship of my time and energy? Or is it becoming like, you know, you're, you're patting yourself on the back. I, I, I think we have to always Absolutely. And I think what you, you're picking up there is just living intentionally, being really intentional and self-aware. And a lot of that comes from a beautifully developed prayer life. Um, I know you and I have both been through the Purgative Way course with Metanoia Catholic and, and that has been so helpful as well. Did you find that helpful for yourself personally in this area? I mean, I'm going to try to keep, I'm going to keep it brief, but okay. I, this, this is an area that just means so much to me personally. So very quickly, I had, I have always personally developed, like, I don't know if that is something I, I gained from my parents. They're, they're very intellectual themselves. And so I, I know growing up, we were always around 
a, a wide array of viewpoints. Uh, my parents love culture. They expose us a lot of different things. So being exposed to things beyond the church, for example, was not an uncommon thing for me growing up, all mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so I pursued development with, you know, world-class coaches in, in the secular world. And for a very, very long time, I, I just sort of, uh, it didn't occur to me at all that I was perhaps compartmentalizing my personal development. Not that I was ever sort of leaving Christ out of it. I don't think I would have said that. Yeah. But when I look back on my experience, all before what I know now from taking Purgative Way, Metanoia Catholic's Purgative Way program, I just have such a different perspective mm. or a different lens on the human person. Mm. And you cannot separate anything. Like everything in our life is interconnected, number one. And number two, Theologically, it's not correct to say that the person is like a little bit over here, a little bit over here. Like we we are designed as totally. integrated humans. Like like this, there's no there's no you can't separate you know your the, the fact that you are a child of God kind of in anything. Yeah, and you know I think it's an interesting concept. It's a true concept. Number one, it's a very complex concept it can be a very complex concept to sort of meditate on but it's also very simple and what what do i mean by that we just want to always be pointed towards god yeah. and there are thoughts in our heads that can point us away from god and there are thoughts in our heads that can point us towards god and i like i said i think i had a pretty decent radar kind of growing up in terms of is this new age is this like not in line with my beliefs. Um, but number one, it was exhausting to do that. Like mm -hmm. to constantly just be like, wait a minute, is that in line with my beliefs? Mm. Just exhausting. But then mm. I think I, I really like, I kind of compartmentalized personal development. I was just like, I'm just going to do this over here. It's okay that it's completely separate from God. And like, I, it's just going to be over here. To do it all together, to mm. understand that we've been given reason and intellect by God. Mm. Like, just think about that for a minute. To understand that your ability to reason, your ability to use your intellect, that all of this can point you closer to your maker and help you to become more holy. Your intellect can actually help you to become more holy. Mm. I just don't think I ever truly, I don't know, embraced that. Like I, I, I and and so when I when I kind of when my eyes were all opened, that actually the pursuit of human formation. Um, can make you more holy. Mm. I think I had it in almost the back of my head. Human formation could be bad, mm. and and it could it can be like if we're just being honest. There okay. there are things in the secular world that are too self focused. But this just idea of like, oh my gosh, your human development can actually make you more holy and mm. actually put you like completely in the loving arms of Christ Jesus, and and to help my clients do that too. Everything just sort of like absolutely opened up for me in this totally different way. And so this Catholic anthropology that we have is such a deep and wide and beautiful uh, gift. And so why not make everything in line <laughs> with our Catholic anthropology? Why not? Absolutely. And it just fits. Everything just fits. It falls into place and makes sense. And I think when you're and, and also, I think that the tools given to do that allow you to then walk into freedom, which I've experienced in my life. I've seen it in the women that I coach. And 
you can take someone to a certain point with personal development, but Jesus is the ultimate agent changer. And so when we're doing that apart from him, sometimes it's actually hard to have that permanent lasting growth and freedom. It's way harder. And, you know, I, I, I like to talk about it with this visual. It's like, you have two choices. So I say this a lot to the women I coach in business. You've got two choices. You can run your business like this with your fists clenched tightly, white knuckle, trying to hold on for dear life, all the control, yeah. which is like the tendency that I've had for so many years and so many business owners in the secular space, what I observe about them. So much tension, so much pain, so much control and so much disappointment. Mm. Or you can open your hands and you can have this posture of surrender, knowing that there is so much freedom because everything can bring you closer to your maker, including your business. Amen. Like imagine the pursuit of wealth actually is making you more holy. Imagine the pursuit of a business which is, by the way, sometimes business is just straight up annoying. <laughs> it's just, there are things that happen that are just straight up annoying. But what if, if all of those pursuits are mm-hmm. actually um, part of your unique plan to make you holy, to grow in beatitude? You know, I like to look at the virtues of Mary mm-hmm. in line with entrepreneurship. And I just think there's a lot, there's so many things there. Um, obedience. There's there's qualifying words about, oh, here, wait, I have it right here on my computer. You've got another there's book that. there, Lisa. There's another book in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Profound humility. Yeah. How much humility we need as entrepreneurs. Blind obedience. Sometimes you feel like you're on this path, but you're like, what, why am I here, Lord? Well, let's just keep on going. You know, continual prayer, heroic patience. Heroic patience is one that I see in both moms that I coach in life and moms that I coach in business struggle with so much. It's like, why isn't this happening now? Why isn't my child like agreeing with me? Why does my house like always look like a disaster? Nothing I'm doing is working. This heroic patience mm-hmm. um, is just, that, that's just, I like mean, I can, in my own life. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> so good. Lisa, tell me, I, I wanted to just dive into a little bit around some of the challenges that women face, because we've sort of cast a vision for what is possible, but where are they coming from? Because I think sometimes we have to take inventory of where we are so that we can then move forward into that freedom and into that transformation and restoration. So in your mind, what are the top couple of challenges that you see women, whether they're single, married, midlife, beyond empty nesting that you see in women's lives? Um, immense amount of guilt mm. and, and guilt around everything, guilt around how I'm spending my time, guilt around what I'm eating, guilt around am I exercising, guilt around, you know, I didn't do this in my relationship. I haven't accomplished this, just immense. Mm. And it's an interesting one, you know, you and I both are in the same uh, training where we learned about manuals. And so, so if anyone listening who doesn't understand what a manual is, we all have manuals or, you know, like my iPhone, the same way that I have a book that tells me don't drop your iPhone in water and don't leave your iPhone in the sun. Otherwise it's not going to work. We have manuals for how things should work mm-hmm. in the world. You could have a manual around, this is how uh, a good Catholic should act. You might have a manual around, this is what um, it means to be successful. I had a manual around success in work and money, you know, X, Y, Z. And so many people are walking around with all of these unconscious manuals. And then it causes them guilt because they're thinking, 
oh my gosh, I see, you know, this person, her house is tidy all the time. Mine isn't. And again, this is where we have to get kind of like honest and objective about ourselves mm-hmm. um, and examine, well, why isn't your house clean? Do you not have the skills? Can you not like vision cast, like what it looks like? Um, do you feel like you don't deserve it? Like there's just so many things that we can dissect. But also sometimes we might have a manual for I am less than if my house doesn't look like that. Mm. The things that we make things mean about ourselves, that's where we have to just like do a lot of healing, right? And so objectively speaking, should we all have tidy houses? Probably, like meaning there's a hygiene to a house, a house is you know, I come from an interior design background, so I'm obviously yes. I'm biased. There's better order, order. when peaceful. So I'm not I'm not saying don't clean your house. Um, but if it's causing you to feel bad about yourself that your house isn't clean, that's a conversation we need to have. That's where there needs to have some coaching. It doesn't have to mean anything about yourself that mm-hmm. your house isn't tidy, yeah. right? So that's a really guilt, immense guilt around literally anything is a big observation. Mm, and that word should, how much of the time? I think if someone did a survey, if we all did a survey in a single day to and tick off how many times we say I should, it's so ingrained, it's so subconscious, we're not even aware of it, but it's that internal dialogue, that script that keeps playing that does make us feel less than. And it's that comparison. I mean, who knows? The woman with the tidy house might have really messy cupboards because she's shoved everything into there before someone comes over because she has an issue with self-worth and if her house is seen as being messy. So we have to be really careful in those comparisons with other people. That's one thing, but also just our own scripts. And like you said, there's an invitation to healing in that. And it's a great opportunity for women listening. Just if this is triggering things in you, just to take note of those and then to take them to prayer, take them to Christ. And under the gaze of the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord, especially at this moment in history, where does he want to bring about restoration in your life? What is he actually, what's the Holy Spirit wanting to stir up in you? Because that agitation we feel is not a bad thing because it might lead us towards virtue, towards wholeness in Christ. So what we often see as obstacles can in fact be invitations to to grow. So, so guilt's the number one. What's another one? Another challenge that you see in women? Fear of failing. Yeah. And it's interesting what you just said, that discomfort that can lead us to holiness, that can lead us to sanctity. I have an absolute abject fear of failure. Like I, I just, it comes from, oh yeah. Like, and it comes from, you know, lots of places comes from being highly praised as a child. You know, like I, I started to realize, oh, if I perform a certain way, I get praise. And so of course that got very ingrained in my, in my, you know, my memory and my brain. And so it also meant that I was absolutely terrified of failing because, you know, what does that mean? I won't get that praise. I won't get that adulation. And so it's, it's been something that I've had to work on so much in coaching, so much in spiritual direction. And the fear of failure, when you think about it, and I see this in so many of my clients, is a protection from something else, hmm. right? We're protecting ourselves from being judged. We're protecting ourselves from being criticized. We're protecting ourselves maybe from people thinking badly of us. 
and I would also argue we're protecting ourselves from discomfort, Mm -hmm. right? And what my coach has been helping me with in this pursuit of getting a better relationship with failure is to simply just be okay with that discomfort. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to say, just be okay with failure fail faster, fail faster, whatever. And, and that's like a, a good, it's a, a good script to have, certainly. Mm. But I actually like what she's been really challenging me on is that emotion, that feeling you have when maybe you dis you do disappoint someone yeah. or that feeling you have of, um, you know, pain or regret or whatever, when maybe a launch or something doesn't go according to, you know, your hopes that you actually just sit in that feeling and be okay with that disappointment that mm-hmm. that 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 feeling that you were so desperately trying to avoid actually isn't that scary actually isn't that bad and you can actually kind of get up and move on from it so fear of failure is so deeply rooted in protection from something mm-hmm. and um what if we just got actually comfortable with that emotion trying to protect ourselves Yeah, absolutely. And often when we have strong emotions about things, whether it's disappointment or frustration or feeling less than, we tend to avoid it. And we do that through different behaviors. And that's where we kind of, it's leading us away from Christ because we might drink too much, watch too much television. We might scroll on social media endlessly, compulsive shopping. Like there's all those behaviors which are called buffering because they're preventing us from actually dealing with the emotion and then obviously what the Lord wants to do in our lives. So I think it's a, there's a great invitation there for us all. So so we've got guilt and we've got sort of the discomfort and the fear of failure. What's another one that you see? Then we might jump in and look at how we can deal with some of these. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they're all so related, right? But yeah. it, it, like avoidance of things, procrastination. But when, you know, when you really think about it, all of these things are avoiding intense feelings of despair mm-hmm. or appointment yeah. or um, yeah. you know, the, just dealing with reality. And so really like how we deal with it is what, what I just shared a moment ago is we get comfortable that that feeling and, and is, is actually okay, number one, but even to expect it, like expect it. And this is such an interesting thing that, you know, my coach is having to work very hard on right now is literally, oh, you're doing it. Yes. Like, there it is. And hello, familiar friend. Um, and again, to just simply get more objective about how we respond to situations. This phrase, don't make it mean anything mm-hmm. about me. Mm-hmm. is sort of my favorite phrase to use both on myself and on my clients. Yeah. What are you making that mean about you? And honestly, when you can become more objective about basically everything you do, <laughs> yeah. it makes things incredibly more uh, simple. You're able to ask good questions. Like, is that really true? Mm-hmm. This is true all the time. And again, at the heart of it, a lot of these are lies that are not bringing us closer to God. Mm. And so let's just vomit all those things out of our brains. <laughs> just like, let's it. just <laughs> delete those sentences. Yeah. And, and that's really how, how we move on. And of course, you know, I'm a trained mindset coach like you. 
I can coach myself to a certain extent, but I love having an external coach. I, I, I love it so, so much. I can't say enough about it. I, I, and I, I have a spiritual director. Like I got all the things. All the things. It's just, I really like the, the biggest thing that we can protect or, or invest in, I really do believe is our mind. We are transformed by the renewal of our minds. Our lives can be transformed by singular sentences. When you think about it, mm-hmm. singular sentences in our brain can make all the difference between a life of freedom and a life that feels powerless. Yes. And, and that's, that's just the truth of the matter. We've been given incredible intellect and the ability to reason by our creator God. And so we get to use it. It's like a gift to be able to use our reason and our intellect. Absolutely. And part of that is our will, correct? The ability to actually choose. So we can choose thoughts. And I think this is a new concept for a lot of people that you can actually choose what you think. And that gives you immense power. And it also puts the the onus back on you to co-create your life with God because we are called to be co-creators with the Lord. So we're called to be active participants in our own life. And so we're not passive victims to whatever happens to us and how we think and our emotions. We We have far more power than we realize to actively participate with the Lord in, I guess, moving towards vice or virtue and our own growth. So Lisa, sorry, go for it. It's such a gift. What you, what you just said, the, the, the will, the ability to have this choice, we have been given free will. That's another thing that I, my brain will always sort of, I don't know, like if I think about it too hard, I I get too like lost in too much philosophy, but like (laughs) we're not robots. We are not robots. We are not sort of just like put on this planet to kind of, I don't know, like just just function, be turned on and turned off. No, we have been given this free will and it's like a fascinating gift. And we get to every day choose to be in union with God. And I just think it's so fun. And it is so fun to coach in this way. You know, like I never, this is a fairly new uh, Genesis for me. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like, yes, very much. being able to do this for our clients thrills me like just mm. so much. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so many, so many aha breakthrough moments I find in coaching women because we're coaching in a unique way that's really integrated with our faith. My husband and I studied at the John Paul II Institute. We did the theology, marriage, and family studies here many, many years ago. So we studied John Paul II and we studied Aquinas and we studied that at an you know a high-end level. But it's been such a gift years down, like 15, 20 years down the track to then merge that with coaching and, and to have all the pieces put together so that you can actually help women. That's, I, I find that there's, there's such freedom that I'm seeing in women's lives when they have a revelation of their ability to choose and their ability that they actually have far more power than they realize. You know, and, and questions that I love to ponder that I think coaching answers. Mm. is what does God want for my life? And now how do I go do that? Right? That latter phrase. So what does God want for my life? And how do I go do that? That's the unique place. That second half of that statement is the unique place a coach gets to live. We get to help our clients. How? <laughs> how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? What thoughts do you need? What thoughts do you not need? Um, yeah. yeah, I just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an immense gift. 
Great journey. So Lisa, just in wrapping up, I'd love some of your thoughts around and advice for women who are feeling really overwhelmed, whether it's overwhelmed with negative mindsets or just overwhelmed with the juggle of life. What are some of the things that they could put into place after listening to this podcast that could really help them walk towards breakthrough? So number one is to not judge how you feel. It's like the best advice I've ever been given and and what I'm constantly telling my clients. Like, so let's just, we're going to use an arbitrary example. You, um, you know, you forgot it was uh, today's St. Patrick's Day, a time of recording at St. Patrick's Day. You forgot it's St. Patrick's Day. All the other kids are wearing green and like funny hats and you forgot. You get in the car and you might kick yourself. Like you might be like, I can't believe I did that. You know, oh my gosh. Terrible mom. (laughs) Yeah, right. All the things. So my very first piece is, you know what? Like, it's all right that you're upset. Like, just give yourself a little moment and don't judge how you are feeling. Okay. So that's like the very first step. Let's get a little bit more objective. Next very practical thing is to just simply say, is this thought or is this collection of thoughts? Do I want to follow this where it's going to lead? So let me just, again, play this example out. You're sitting there in the car being like, I can't believe I did this. I'm the worst mom. After taking a little bit of space to just be like, huh, I'm really upset. Okay, well, I'm going to just be upset for a minute. Ask yourself, well, if I keep thinking I'm a bad mom, what could this lead to? And to be honest, for me, (laughs) it leads me to eating ice cream at, you know, 9am, which is just not necessary. It leads me to probably going on my phone and putting things in my Amazon cart that I'm never going to buy. Like, and it leads me to just something that is not true. You know, it's not true that I'm a bad mom. I made an honest mistake. It's just not true. Right. And so, so if step one is to just like, no judgment, let's just be a little bit objective. If step two is, do you want to follow where this thought leads? Okay. And then most of the time you're going to be like, actually, no, that's not going to lead me anywhere good. Step number three for me, just from a very, very practical sense is literally, well, what do I want to think instead? Now, depending on the severity of the situation, it might not be that simple. You know, sometimes things are a lot more complex and you know, you might need a little bit more space and time to grieve. I'm using a very simple, a simple situation yes, that's reported to me this morning. But I would say in a lot of cases, when it is something truly trivial, when it is something where, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really just your thoughts about a situation, let, let's just choose a different way to think. And so what is it? I like to ask myself, um, you know, like what, what Lord is, is what Lord do you want me to gain from this little situation? Hmm. And just like sit with that. You know, perhaps it's, perhaps it's a skill thing. Like, oh yeah, maybe this is a good reminder that I should put these kinds of reminders in my phone or whatever. Right. Or it could just be a, huh, maybe the Lord really wants me to grow in humility today. (laughs) And then you get to decide how to feel about that. You get to decide like, wow, I'm so grateful. I have the opportunity to grow humility. Mm. Wow. I I, I am so grateful that I get to go to a school where this is even an option, where we do fun, ridiculous things like St. Patrick's Day. Like you get to decide, but in a way 
that isn't um, diminishing yourself or isn't just sort of positive thinking. Like, I really want to make that distinction. We're not just thinking positively about a situation. Yeah. The distinction I'm making is that you get to decide what to think. Mm-hmm. I really like, I cannot stress it enough how much choice, I know you and I are so in line, aligned in this, mm-hmm. how much choice a woman has every single day of her life yeah. to put herself in the loving arms of God. And, you know, that my, one of my favorite quotes right now that I'm absolutely blanking on the exact, it's, it's second Corinthians 12, I want to say, okay. okay, forgive me. Let's go but with that. <laughs> it's in the ballpark. Second Corinthians, um, may I boast of my weakness because it's because of God's grace, I can be made strong. I totally paraphrase that. But like, we don't have to feel powerless when we make mistakes. Mm. We don't have to feel powerless when our human failings, whether it be like control or whether it be temper or whether it be, um, you can be overly negative, whatever it is, we don't have to let those things um, put us away from God. We can boast of those weaknesses because we know the grace of God is available to us as the true change agent. And so that's my best advice for Catholics, especially. Amen. I love just it. Just <laughs> put that verse to memory that I, of course, don't have memorized. It's all right. Um, clean that up for the show notes, but it is just truly the, the truth is that you are not the, the, the change agent truly. At the end, it is the power of God's grace that is going to change you. Absolutely. Completely. The complete change happens with God. Yeah, totally. And also just that apart from me, you can do nothing. So I find, I mean, I've been guilty of this in my life, but I do see it in coaching women that they get so frustrated, like they're working and they're conscientious and they're doing their journaling and they're trying all the things, but they're just not progressing. And sometimes at that point, it's just a sheer, I surrender, Lord. Like I can't, you can come and help me in this moment. And I think that we always have to be aware of the fact that we can only, well, we're called to be active participants. Yes. But ultimately it's God's grace that comes in and transforms us and gives us that opportunity to totally change. So beautiful advice, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. Such a gift to have you. It's my pleasure. And solidarity sister, you know, this is what you just said is the distinction between a secular coaching model and an authentically Catholic model. That's right. That understanding of grace as a change agent is such a just it's the it's the thing. <laughs> it's so important. And and we have to constantly be reminded of that. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you. Well, ladies, I hope that conversation was a blessing to you. If you'd like to follow Lisa, you can do so on Instagram, Lisa Canning, or her website is lisacanning.ca. So much of what we discussed in this week's episode, we really deal with inside the Catholic Women's Masterclass. And so if you're wanting a mentor and a guide to really help you, I guess, take some of those steps to build a life of design and not live a life of default, then can I invite you to check out the Catholic Women's Masterclass. Here at the Genius Project, we also offer one-on-one mindset coaching. So once again, if you're interested in either of those initiatives, you can contact me through email, karen at geniusproject.co or our website, www.geniusproject.co. Ladies, it would be so helpful if you've enjoyed this episode, if you could head on over to the podcast platform that you're listening to this episode on and leave a review and a rating. This only takes a couple of seconds, but it does so much to help support the work of the Genius Podcast 
and the Genius Project. So I really thank you for doing that. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week. God bless you. And I look forward to continuing this conversation around our mission and purpose as Catholic women on the GDS podcast next week. God bless.